Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers apparently were involved with the Cam Reddish negotiations. They didn't uh, get particularly far and now he's a New York Nick. So Cam Reddish goes to the New York Knicks for a heavily protected first round pick and Kevin Knox. Uh, Knox is is a, not a very good basketball player, so that happened. Um, and the heavily protected first round pick part of this is interesting because in all likelihood, that's probably going to turn into a couple second rounders down the road, which, you know, given some of the uh, discussions around the Cam Reddish trade situation. It's really kind of interesting what he winds up going for. Now, we did get some information after the fact, uh, most notably that he had actually told the Atlanta Hawks that he did not want to be there and uh, that apparently it was not a particularly highly guarded secret within the Hawks organization. Players knew about it too, and it made everything kind of awkward. So, with that being the case, it makes sense that the Hawks would move him as quickly as possible. And then uh, the other thing that is notable here is that if everybody in the Hawks knew about it, much like, you know, keeping a virus <laughs> in in in, uh, in the building, uh, those things tend to leak out. And so if everybody within the Hawks knew about it, likely everybody within the league knew about it. And that's going to suppress the... Uh, the type of offers that the the Hawks were going to get, i.e. the Lakers offering only two second rounders for for Reddish, who, look, I think he's had an up-and-down career. I think he's a little overrated right now. But if the Lakers had gotten him for a couple second rounders, I'd be over the moon. All that said, in a way, this does, you know, inherently set the trade market for wings. Uh, for one thing, it is a wing. He went now, and, and, and now teams are going to be comparing whatever trade offers they make to what got Cam Reddish. That said, it's not apples to apples, and the uh, teams that you're negotiating against are just going to come back <laughs> to you and say, I don't give a bleep what Cam Reddish went for. I'm not giving you Jeremy Grant for two second rounders. This might, by the way, give some kind of an insight into the things that the Lakers are looking to do or might potentially be looking to do. Offering up only two second rounders for Cam Reddish, knowing that there are competing offers out there, tells me that you were not all that over the moon for uh, Cam Reddish. And, and again, for decent reason. The thing with Reddish is, let's say you trade for him, and I've talked about this previously, but let's say you trade for him, you give up, before we thought it was going to take like THT, which at some points in the discussion for Cam Reddish and what it would take to land him, I found myself wondering, is there a different Cam Reddish out there? <laughs> like, are we talking about the same guy? Uh, but but uh, regardless of of my reaction to some of these fake trades out there, and and I am nobody to complain about stupid fake trades that other people are throwing out there, but... When uh, the, the the Lakers, let's say they they move for Cam Reddish, and it actually takes a legit asset, which two second rounders is not in my book in uh, a, a very legit asset. They would be acquiring a player 
who is much like THT, even though he does he fits better than THT does right now. But Reddish is still very much an upside type play, which doesn't fit where the Lakers are organizationally right now. So it had they been all in on Cam Reddish, I would have had some questions about the process here because there are players out there who the Lakers are, by the way, and, and like, you know, based on what I've heard, the Lakers are in on quite a few names out there. Um, and, and you know, there are all kinds of reports on, on that as well. One name I haven't heard elsewhere as much as is I, I've, I've heard here and there that the Lakers are kind of interested in Josh Hart. But uh, regardless, so the, the Lakers, if they go after Reddish and they land Reddish and that's their big acquisition, that still doesn't quite fit their timeline. And, and I would have been a little nervous about that being their loan acquisition because while it raises their ceiling, depending on what went out, it could have potentially lowered their floor. If it, if it, if it was only two second rounders, it just raises the ceiling and that would have been an, a, a great acquisition. And by the way, good on Rob Palenka for not overextending himself here, especially this early in the season and this early in trade market season. Uh, as the as trade as we approach the the trade deadline, as that gets closer, some of these offers are going to go up, both in terms of uh, the competition that the Lakers are going to be facing for some of these players, and obviously, therefore. Uh, the offers that the Lakers are going to be making themselves. The Lakers being in on Reddish also is an indication that they are aware of the issues that they have at the wing. Trevor Ariza has looked a little rusty, is the word we'll use. <laughs> he looks a little crickety out there uh, so far this year. And and I, I do think, as uh, Frank Vogel has pointed out, I think Ariza is getting his legs underneath him. Uh, and it is going to be a process. But if Ariza was the linchpin of the season that the Lakers kept on talking about, then that would just kind of tell you, yeah, the, the Lakers needed more depth there. They have needed more depth there, basically from the onset of the season. So I, them being in on Reddish uh, tells me that, and and just given some of the other names that they have been on, been in on, uh, elsewhere across the trade market, we know about Jeremy Grant. We know about Gary Trent Jr. And um, like I just said a second ago, Josh Hart, I, I think, is somebody who the Lakers might have some interest in as well. This is a, a, a front office that is at least aware of some of the mistakes that they made back in putting this team together. You can't have wing depth be Trevor Ariza, Carmelo Anthony, and a Stanley Johnson you just found walking around the other day. That's not enough. And that the Lakers are are aware of this and trying to fix it is good news for me. Elsewhere in uh, Lakerland and, and across the NBA, the newest results of the All-Star voting uh, came in. And as one would expect, as the Lakers have had a, a pretty good uh, stretch of basketball before the last uh, game or two, uh, the Lakers have jumped, right? So LeBron uh, jumps all the way to first in the front. Well, he was first in the front court, but now he jumps all the way to within uh, basically 100,000 votes of Steph Curry. He was down by almost a million last we checked on this. 
So he sees a significant increase. Elsewhere, you know, in, in voting numbers here, Anthony Davis uh, jumps from sixth to fifth. He is at 1.3 million without playing. Uh, Russell Westbrook jumped. He is now sixth in guards at 576 and a half thousand votes. Uh, the other player, Carmelo Anthony, he jumped as well. He is now at seven in uh, Western Conference front court voting. So, and, and this, again, goes back to what I talked about last time these votes came out, that I thought the first returns regarding these votes indicated that the Lakers fan base was kind of fed up with this team, not really into the season that they were having to this point. At the time when these votes were being counted, the Lakers had gone on a little bit of a winning streak. They were ha- they were playing fun basketball. LeBron was just outright dominating, playing center and doing all of those things. And look at that. The Lakers' giant fan base came out and showed support of a team that was earning their support. Uh, now, if the team slides here on this Grammy trip, and and you know some of these guys continue to struggle russell express especially i would imagine that again these vote tallies are going to reflect a frustrated fan base but this is actually turning out to be a pretty decent gauge in where the lakers stand with the fan base and and and, and look i am uh given my platform because lakers uh as a fan base the lakers have a fan base that just is incredibly passionate and and just huge and so like i i am as aware if not more aware than most about what the what lakers fans are are capable of but this is winding out you know this is turning out to be one of those interesting barometers of where the lakers stand and and it's something to really keep an eye on right up until the lakers or, or right up until this uh voting closes all right, that's going to do it here for the uh, for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Check out The Hook, which Aaron and I recorded earlier today. A reminder, Harrison and I are going to be recording Lakers Lounge later this afternoon. Also, get those questions in on iTunes for the Mailbag Monday. That is going to be filling out. And we're thinking about doing some kind of interesting stuff there just in terms of format and the way that that's actually going to go down. So we'll keep you posted on that as well. On SilverScreenRoll.com, Jacob and Christian were rounding up the uh, new rumors that we got today, and they offered their own context. You're going to want to check that out. And then, yeah, almost through another week. Almost. (laughs) We almost, we've almost made it. Let's get through it together. Until tomorrow, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.